Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Joe Dorowski, and you can go download an episode of the Protagonist Podcast to hear me talking about other characters in other stories. <laughs> I will. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, today we're going to be talking about Man of Steel Minute number 42, and today the minute starts with Cal finding out that Lois has been mortally wounded, and then the minute ends with mortally, mortally wounded. <laughs> is that good? Yeah, whatever. No, is that correct? Sure. Yeah. She is. She will die with that wound. Yep. Yep. Um, and then ends with Cal beginning to take off with the scout ship. Um, so... He's, we find out that he's unbuttoning the jacket because he notices that she is wounded. With x-ray vision? Or is it just plain obvious? I think he's assessing the situation like you were harmed. I heard you scream and, and wail, so there was, you know, there was uh, blood showing a little bit from the jacket, but then even more so from her sweater. Um, I think he doesn't use his x-ray vision until... Until he sees inside of her, when is this? Is this where he says that she's hemorrhaging internally? Yes. Yeah. Right. And he needs to yeah. cauterize so the think, wound. I think that's when. Yeah, that's when he's using the X-ray vision. I don't think straight up right now he is. I think he's just like, oh snap! There's blood coming out of your jacket. Oh snap! There's even more blood coming out of your sweater. So hmm. I'm gonna deal with this. Yeah. So he says you're hemorrhaging internally. If I don't stop it, you fill in the blanks, and then proceeds to. What does he say? He says, like, hold on to something. Yeah, hold, hold my hand is going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. Hurt. Now, do you think he's ever done this? Yes. <laughs> this is yeah. the question. In, yeah. Clark, in Clark's wanderings in this film, did he ever go to medical school? That's my question. Um, I mean. Because he, he assesses the situation be? pretty quickly and knows exactly how to use his heat vision to solve it. Yeah. I mean, in previous incarnations of the character, we do see that he is a supreme scholar um you know he can super read books he can retain so much information so i think it's just kind of calling back to that classic uh characteristic of the character that we get that he he is just really smart mm-hmm. it's, it's <laughs> really hard. smart book wise <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard to say because it's like if joe or john ever heard himself on the farm yeah did he use? Did, did he, he ever, do this? Did he ever was like, or Yo. if he ever, you know, fell out of the tree? That's and the only scenario his I can see. It's like something had to, like, to be in this situation the before. Supposed to hurt themselves farming or something. That would be the only scenario that Clark would have any experience doing this. But still, leaping to cooking your insides to save your life is a pretty bold move. Yeah, I mean, like, um, like I know he's just trying to cauterize the flesh <laughs> and whatnot, but it just seems so. It seems like a. Veteran Superman thing to do. It is, and that's why I said it's like it's kind of calling back to what we normally uh, know of the character. But um, so if if he was on Kent Farm and he did this before, did he, did he get you know the belt to his to his back uh, later on with Jonathan saying, "Don't use your powers," even though you were trying to save my life again? It's just calling back. You to need that. to let me die, Clark. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, or if he used it on a classmate or or Lana or someone like that. Um, that's someone that already knows that he has these abilities because this is technically the first time that someone outside of the family or outside of Kent Farm has seen, you know, heat vision has seen these super abilities. 
Well, even uh, as an audience used... in this film, we've seen him use strength and invulnerability. Is but did we ever? We see... did see. Yeah, we did see heat vision okay. when he heated up that knob oh, when right. he was locked in the closet. Uh-huh. So, but then I don't and think anybody. Would, yeah, well. no one saw all the glowing from his eyes. No one. No one saw that. They were just like, "Oh, wow, this is really a hot doorknob." But this is the first time that she sees these abilities. Did anybody else see the abilities that they wanted to run to the newspapers and say, hey, man, some guy carterized my wound by glowing his eyes? I think maybe – I, I want to say, and I'm making stuff up, but who cares? I feel like maybe Martha might have hurt herself one day, and the love a son and mother have, like, maybe he was like, Mom, I can help you and, like, yeah. heal you and, like, here, I can, like, carterize the cut on your hand. But, but how does he know – to cauterize <laughs> like again it might just go back to him yeah, reading books like, like i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> that to me that's a big question like how do you know how to cauterize exactly like pinpoint stuff like that I, it's like a cut on the skin or something <laughs> what did clark kent major in in college yeah. <laughs> um, yeah those are questions that we need answered he majored in everything uh, uh, what, or well and how far in is he cauterizing on lois lane right now because like you said it has to be pretty pinpoint accurate or he's going to do more harm than good i would imagine yeah, I mean, this. I attribute it, this is the one note that I have for this minute, that it's super focusing, the heat vision. So I think he's used it in all of these years that he's been able to use it, that he can focus it on, you know. The, we, we do see later films and, and later in this film that when he uses heat vision, it's beams coming out. And then before, in, in the previous minutes, he heated up the doorknob, there were no beams coming out. So it's So he has that focus ability that he can, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, like... So when I look at the wound, I always see like I don't I'm not the most uh, knowledgeable in anatomy, but I feel like <laughs> this is where her liver might be in her body. I hope I'm where's, not wrong. I Otherwise, I sound like an idiot. Down here, where's your liver? That's your pink. No, isn't your to your isn't your liver in the your back right side? Yeah, right side in the back in the front. I don't know. It seems more like, like it's in her. <laughs> it seems like it's more of like her intestines, uh, kind of. Large, just gonna go seal intestine. those off i see a little hole i'm gonna go burn that up <laughs> yeah um again i guess i'm i'm atoning it to super focus that he you know uses x-ray at the same time as seeing where he can carterize it instead of just on top he's got to go through the the muscle you okay. know tissue so and, amateur surgeon and stuff like that yeah. game I <laughs> <laughs> um it's not that hard so it's pretty hard so in this film the they kind of really hard. limit his powers to the invulnerability flight strength and heat vision right we don't see very much else it grows. The only thing we've not seen yet is the frost. Break. Right. Uh, he, we saw hearing. So oh, right, super right. Hearing. Super senses, I guess. Right. Yeah. It, it kind of is assumed. But are there any crazy Superman powers from comic books that you wish you could see on film sometime? Because he, in comic books, he goes well beyond <laughs> those kind of our, that, that's kind of our, our, our cultural norm for what Superman's powers are. Yeah. But he's been all over the place in comics. I think we talked about, like, his ability to... Didn't we talk about like auras or something? Like he can see like energy off of someone. Life, that's life like super... auras. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, that's not in the film, but mm-hmm. like that's something that we talked about. Like that, something he could. What do you learn. What do you mean by auras? Because he's. Isn't I he... don't know if he can sense. If if you want to attest that to a magic ability, I don't think he oh, can no, sense. No, 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 like, I think it was in a Mark like... Wade Superman origin story. He made Superman a vegetarian because he could see the aura of life on living creatures. And so... Oh yeah, that's yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um. Yeah, and that kind of gave him a sense of you know Maybe humanity, be, yeah. if you will. 
Yeah. Um, I've never been a big fan of the Frost Breath. I don't. I don't really want to see Frost Breath in this in this universe. I don't. I don't care for that. Sometimes it's cool. <laughs> uh, it was cool in Powerpuff Girls in that episode. <laughs> okay. It was cool in Injustice. You. But then that goes, you know. More. But that's a fighting game. That's like a deterrent for the characters to stop an attack. Which, yeah, it makes sense for Superman. Uh, it can be cool. It can, I, yeah. All right. Because then um, you're saying, because anyone who who can freeze something is is pretty cool to see on film. Because if you saw Mister Freeze character, Captain mm-hmm. Cold like that, it's cool Sub-Zero, to Zero. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to see ice action. I don't know why that's cool to see, but for some reason it is. So even though, yeah, it's kind of. A lame. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think we I made like, it look lame with Superman. Maybe I like heat vision more so than I like frost breath. You can do both. Yeah. Freeze someone, then heat them, <laughs> <laughs> so they don't get frostbite. Like, oh, too it's far! Just too a far. Torture device. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could ruin someone's day by um, doing both. You there is both. there is a power that later on uh, the New Fifty Two incarnation of Superman has. He has that solar flare where he kind of you know uses all the pent up solar energy inside of him and kind of focuses it into a beam into you know just this big blast that i guess we do see more so in the doomsday character in dawn of justice uh, you know later on yeah so that's uh, yeah. that's kind of like a more outlandish power in my opinion that that shouldn't be utilized um, yeah in the comics it does when he uses that solar flare it depowers him for so it kind of creates so, a uh, narrative uh trick for the writers to be able to say what's clark kent like without the superpowers exactly yeah. it was a whole story arc that went through and, so um, it's kind of just like a giveaway and in the new fifty two run of Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, we're seeing like the epitome of Superman chasing down Red Hood, Arsenal, and Starfire, and they also have Red Hood's like love interest at the time is with them as well, um, and Superman's like trying to talk to them, but they're like being total dicks to him, and he's using his heat vision, but he's able to curve it so that it hits all three of them, but not the the human, the chick that's with them. What? And I thought yeah. that it's a really cool shot. Hmm. Um, but it also shows like this is a, like, this is a very veteran Superman that he's able to use the heat vision, but hit points like, of interest. Yeah, to, that's more of like an Omega beam, in my opinion. It, but it, it curves more round. It's not like Omega where it's like zigzag and ang- such. Angular, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting how they how they do it. But um, they even they like they're trying to avoid him in space, and they like teleport, they like hyperdrive back to Earth. And he's there in one second. He's just like, you really think you could lose me? And yeah. then he does the heat vision thing. And it's it's like broken Superman. Um, so it, that's cool. In the Silver Age, he uses super ventriloquism to uh, defeat three Kryptonians in one. Uh, <laughs> super <laughs> ventriloquism. Yeah, yeah. He throws his voice very far to confuse them. And it's called super oh, ventriloquism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, see these are just things about the character that i kind of wish to forget where it's like Bleh, all right get out of here there's even uh one perhaps the craziest superman story he develops the power to shoot out a miniature superman from his own hand and this mm-hmm. miniature superman goes and does things um that he's not able to do at the moment uh so like the comics it just gets crazy they for a while they're, they're just like anything the writer could think of they just said superman could do that yeah, I wish I'd never heard that. <laughs> See, like that's why I, I really enjoy that's, that's I really enjoyed the new Fifty Two uh, version of Superman because it wasn't like quintessential. He wasn't super overpowered. It was just this guy again. You know, this guy that's trying to do the right thing with these super abilities. Yeah. Well, and one thing Crisis on Infinite like... Earth in the comics was meant to do was to kind of depower Superman and get rid of all of the insane powers exactly. they laden him with uh, in the eighties, and then it kind of got built back up again. And so New Fifty Two, they they toned it back down. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like they, they're not depowering him. They're just keeping the powers that seem realistic. Like, of course, his frost breath would freeze people because he's, he's just blowing wind at, like, a Superman enhanced yeah. sense that it does freeze. It's, like, it's so cold that it does freeze. Or that... Okay, I don't know the heat vision. I don't know how that sense. <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of so established in the cultural mythos of Superman. You can't take that one away. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, going back to what you said about... This is the first time that Cal has had to explain to someone not in the Kent family... That he can do things. That he has yeah. superpowers. You know, this is, he, he says, like, um, I can do things that other people can't. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he's got to tell someone that so far in the film that we know. I don't think he's ever had to, to say that to someone. Uh, maybe he's told Pete Ross. I think they've all learned it at, you know, at the same time where it's like, oh, snap, this guy can do things. At the same time, he's learning that he can do things. Yeah. Like, I always just go back to him and Lana sitting in a tree and the limb breaks and he falls down, but, you know, he stops right before he hits the ground. And that's when they both realize that, oh, maybe I can fly. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is the first time he's saying kind of with confidence. Like, he's not afraid of it. Almost. Yeah, he's trying to comfort her with this idea that, don't worry, I've got this. I can do things other people can't, so I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was this, if you want, is this the moment where the two of them fall in love? Is this like a love at first sight kind of deal where he's Which, comfortable enough with her to say, you know, more so than just saving your life, uh, you know, outing himself as this being that has super he, abilities? I don't think he is yet. I know he's trying to calm her down by being really nice right now. Okay. And just kind of like a, a doctor would be like, it's okay, like, don't worry, like, this is going to be fine, you're you're doing great. So nothing on him, but she's intrigued by him. I wouldn't okay. say, like, she's, like, in love with him, but she's like, this guy's weird, not from this planet, you know, he's cute, but there's something weird about him. <clears throat> so she's just excited and interested in him. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, now, typically, in the past, 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 medieval times, when someone carterized the wound, it stopped the bleeding, but then they probably died from the infection. Is that just because of the object that they used to carterize it? Does Lois not get an infection because he's just using pure, you know, heat waves to to stop this and melt her skin? Or is yeah, I'm, I'm sure the heat vision is sterilizing it too. Well, I was gonna say, is this like I'm gonna stop the immediate threat of you bleeding, but you probably need to go see a doctor. I drop you down on an ice flow in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like he wouldn't drop her off in a in a hospital. He's just like, all right, you're safe on this patch of ice. See you later, kid. I, I imagine she has to go to a doctor and get get her intestines looked at pretty closely she has to yeah i wouldn't be able to move after something like that you know how like it's like yeah that's gonna be so painful yeah um i think of it like in prometheus when she gets like the (laughs) c-section and then the staples and then they laser over it it's like damn you gotta like morphine yourself (laughs) constantly yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, of course do you think this is the first time that she's been injured like this um hmm. maybe yeah we know she's in dangerous situations but i don't think there's anything in the narrative that we're given to be able to say she's had life threatening threatening injuries she's before worn a flak jacket she's been bulletproof yeah <laughs> hmm so yeah maybe unless uh you know it's just something that didn't happen in her you know reporter field that caused her to be maimed wounded mm-hmm. mortally wounded 
She still's got all her arms. It's not like she I mean, stole an orange and got her hand cut off. In, in the comics, the Lois we know that's always gets into dangerous situations. Part of it is that she knows Superman can always rescue her. But we're getting a Lois that is already getting into super dangerous situations without Superman to rescue her. So I would think she has to have been injured sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Have we ever seen Lois in comic books being injured? Like, y- Yes. Yeah, I mean, or Superman is always there. And still Superman is always there to help out. Mm-hmm. So she does get injured. There's no, she, yeah, like she she's not like about to get shot, and then Superman shows up. No, she doesn't get hurt, and then we're like, "Damn!" I, I'm not thinking of anything specific, but I am sure in the yeah. years and years that she's been written, she must have been in the hospital, and Superman complaining about you know mopey Superman saying I didn't do enough <laughs> over yeah. over her prone form. <laughs> I can't think of the specific, yeah. but I get that mental image. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. right there with you. I can't. I'm drawing blanks on any sort of <laughs> one. I mean, come on. Who pays attention to Lois Lane? Come on. <laughs> Who pays attention to comic books? Um, so this, then he tells her to hold it. Um, what does he say? Hold my hand? Hold, hold my hand. It's going to hurt. Yeah. Proceeds to do the cauterization, and we hear her screaming. It Again, this is, I don't want to say goosebumps, but this is still very, like, tense and and It's uh, some more, more of a horror film. Yeah. yeah, the screaming, it, it just all plays well into, this is freaking me out Yeah, for a Superman film, which I dig, but for a common audience, this is like, this is really almost creepy for like taking a kid to a movie theater. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there, uh, one of the major complaints, I think, I mean, we can talk about this later in the week, but is is the tone of this doesn't feel like the classic optimistic superman and like this whole sequence it's there's no optimism yeah see, <laughs> really on display which is a trait that i very much enjoy throughout this movie and this universe like it's not all clean and pristine like how we see the comic books and the hero doesn't save the day at, at the end of the movie but you know in a sense he does but at what cost you know it's always just mm-hmm. that darker tone that i've always enjoyed through this movie yeah it's almost like they i feel like they should have explained a little bit they sh- uh, the two characters should have said a little bit more about what was about to happen. Like he was going to cauterize the wound, because like we know what's happening when he does it. Um, but for a younger audience, they don't know what cauterization is. They don't know like being mortally wounded. So all of this kind of happens visually, but it doesn't happen with words. So no one's knowing exactly what's going to happen. So it just plays off really scary. Yeah, and. Uh, I think Superman just needs to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. It's gonna, it's gonna heal you up. It, it's gonna hurt, but and then the, you know, people who are watching are like, okay, it's gonna. This is all kind of scary, but we know that he's saving her life right now. He's not just heat visioning her stomach right now. So because they don't explain that, yeah, um, we, mm-hmm. but we know what's going on. Um, so I feel like just to help it out a little bit more, <laughs> just need a little bit more what? exposition. I think if you start to ask, what about the younger audience in a Zack Snyder film? You're going to have a lot of <laughs> troubled moments. Well, what What is this, PG-13, PG? It is PG-13. Mm-hmm. They were going for PG-13, PG-13 for this. I mean, all superhero films at this point are PG-13. Well, I guess there's now R, too. Yeah, PG-13 now it's R. changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outside of The Incredibles, I can't remember a PG film. Was Fantastic Four the first Fantastic Four years and years ago? The, you know, the one with uh, Captain America before he was Captain America. Was that one PG, maybe? That's the only one I can think of. <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Fell by the wayside. Yeah. It's, it's not like it had a big impact on culture. Yeah. <laughs> well, has there been any Marvel films in the... All, all the Marvel films have been PG-13. 
All they, of them? Yeah, well, they say they. I mean, it, I think it goes about with the dialogue, and they're allowed to drop, you know, what one f bomb or or say hell and damn and all these things. So it, mm-hmm. it really has yeah. to do with the dialogue mostly. Well, and also just, I mean, it's always the the sci fi violence. Yeah, kids <laughs> yeah. in the PG thirteen. Avengers is PG thirteen. Yeah, they all are, man. Yeah. Okay. I didn't notice that. I I would assume like the first Avengers film was would be PG because it's so. I don't know. <laughs> it's a very bright color palette and a very different tone. Yeah, it's it's got like the, yeah. Um, okay, well then, <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, we're 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 giving this screaming tense moment, and then I think right after that, it just cuts to, um, what's his name? Uh, Sakowski. Sakowski. I almost said Bob Rosky for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's snoozing on the job. He's snoozing. He's supposed to be monitoring the ship because why? And then to make sure no one tunnels into it and starts exploring. Exactly. <laughs> um, and they don't know what it is, but it, things start rattling. Things start making noises. Mm-hmm. People start freaking out. They look outside. This bright lights going on. The hill is moving. The scout ship is above the hill now. Yeah, it's it like, doesn't it's seem like it. Off. I thought it would like break out, but it looks like it's already like it almost it looks like it was like on top of the hill already. Yeah, um, yeah. There's not as much like ground breakage as you would expect. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what it is. Like I, I feel like it should have almost <laughs> the popped. entire ice shelf should just yeah. be yeah, separated. Yeah, like like if something from the core of the ice shelf that the base is actually on, like that's all one giant ice yeah. block that they're they're sitting on. If something rips its way out of the core of that that probably should have caused a lot more damage. Yeah. Catastrophic should damage. Just, yeah, yeah. There should have been like a popping like ice should have I mean everyone would have gotten hurt. But... Even if like it just showed like by uh I mean, Hardy forbid and... innocents get hurt by anything Superman does in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um But like I I feel like there should have been like I don't know, just one second where there was a, a massive crack uh, on the ground that, that you mm-hmm. know, um, Nathan Hardy and Emil Hamilton saw as they walked out and kind of, like, had to avoid, like, oh, snap, ground's falling apart hmm, kind of deal. I've got to say, like, this takes up a huge chunk of this. It's, like, almost 40 seconds is just this ship taking off, right? Yeah. Well, like, the, the camera shaking as the guy runs out and sees the ship taking off. And I think this is something that all... Uh, spectacle films uh, like big blockbuster films are struggling with right now is that uh, like it doesn't need to take 40 seconds because it's not that impressive to audiences anymore to see a glowing object in the sky yeah <laughs> like you go back to the 90s with independence day like that spectacle is wow and the audience wants to dwell on it but as i was watching this minute i'm like why is this taking so long to show me a glowing object in the sky uh, like with special effects where they are and they're so common it just doesn't seem special I think to, to see that anymore. Whereas there are like specific spectacle that you can do with Superman that is unique and is awesome to see like his, his first flight in this. I love that special effects sequence. Uh, and I love how long it takes. Like, I think it earns to take that long. Cause that's something you can do in a Superman film. You can't do anything else, but this just seems like too much time for too little awe in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Like the Superman flight is, uh, we talked about this because later on we got to talk about it next week. And then the week after that, um, but although there's not much going on in that, that, uh, those minutes it's and everything is purely visual, it is every, every bit of it is, is great. Um, but here, like if it is 40 seconds, yeah, it's a little too long because 
what's really going on here is people are realizing that aliens exist. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, this is the first time we see, like, like how we had a guest in the previous episodes. This is a first contact, and this is mm-hmm. kind of showcasing that first contact alien yeah. scene. So, I right. think there's, uh, and I can't really remember, because I, I, I probably should have gave it more of a look to kind of help defend it, but, like, Emil Hamilton is seeing an alien ship. This guy yeah. who's part of a research so for, team. So for them, the, like, it makes sense to have the long, leering shots yeah. and the yeah. awe. Um, maybe there should have been something added to kind of mm-hmm. further enhance that moment because this moment is not – I guess it's not meant to just be a visual, like, oh, cool, it's this alien ship. Like, this is a good shot to take a couple seconds from and throw it in a trailer because it, that – you know, trailers have to be visually appealing. Um, but for the movie – 40 seconds like you need to hammer in something so that the audience can get an emotional reaction to it and the emotional reaction should be like wow humans are finding out that aliens exist that's heavy duty because like if it did happen this would be the reaction yeah um, yeah but no, i can see that what happens in the film is we're just kind of like i don't Glowing know lights I, in the sky <laughs> to, yeah. me, to me this scene is this moment was forgettable because when i only now remember watching it but i don't yeah. remember this part yeah i always thought the mm-hmm. ship was still there i didn't know he took off with oh it. yeah they they leave and he i, thought, I mean he's got to get away from the the, the dig site and i thought he i thought he just learned uh you know the 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 part of the film where he walks out of the doors with the suit on and then yeah. by? i thought he just went out the other way <laughs> That's yeah. literally what I thought. Uh, <laughs> but but the way this is, like, the music and the editing and the pacing make this think, like, this is supposed to be the awesome spectacle moment. And I like what you're saying, like, for the humans there, this is supposed to be their first realization that there are aliens. But for the audience, it's like, this has been an alien movie this entire time. It's not, like, we're not feeling the same thing they are. And mm-hmm. so it, it just seems oddly placed. Yeah, a little. Yeah, and this might go back to um, maybe the Krypton prologue should have been put in the middle of the film. So that all this alien like wonderment would, would just kind of come all at once yeah. to us, yeah. Okay, because we've to seen hit so the much... audience with the humans at the same time, yeah. Because yeah. we've seen so much alien in this film that now we're just kind of like, because when you see Jor El in the ship, you're yeah. like, that's Jor El, yeah. But he yeah. already died, yeah. And uh, I mean, he kind of recaps that with I, I do like the Art Deco recap of Krypton's history that he gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's pretty cool visually, but. For us as the audience, not for Superman or Clark Kent or Superman or Kal-El or however you want to refer to him at that moment, uh, you know, that's all new information. But for us, like, it's like, well, we already spent 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, getting that history. But it, they could have just, like you said, switched where you get that history entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have, uh, I, I, like, treating the human audience as the humans in the film and realizing what these aliens, you know, these aliens are here and learning their history at the same time. I think it could have done something interesting for us. Yeah. It also would have called back to how the style of the movie is like how it's documentary style. We are seeing it from the human's point of view and, and kind of we're, we're seeing it from Lois Lane's point of view pretty much uh, this whole after this whole, you know, ordeal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it would make sense for us to be learning all these things at the same time. The humans are. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have. Yeah, it would have definitely helped to to move that that prologue in towards the middle of the film. Don't take it out or shorten it because I think every bit of that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It just it's misplaced. Just yeah, build the suspense with having it in the beginning. By the time you see this alien ship, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 
Um, I, I wanted to know, going back a little bit, a few seconds, uh, as Sikowski's snoozing on the job, he does have one monitor open, and it almost looks like it's like the surface of Mars, or maybe a desert. I don't know. I can't really tell the difference between Mars and the desert. <laughs> but it almost seems like if it kind of made me think like if if they did have like you know that that was satellite feed from the surface of mars uh they already kind of are expecting extraterrestrial life so even when lois said in a previous minute that it's a soviet air submarine they're like nope it's not that we're kind of on the side that it's an alien ship uh it kind of makes it more i don't know i just want to know why that screen is up there i'll have to look at it um it's not like one of those Windows default deserts. Desktop. <laughs> it could be. I didn't even think about that. It could be, or it could be one of those satellites that uh, that he talked about. Um, you know, we're pinging the ships and everything. It could be that that uh, that ground that that Terra satellite that I that I mentioned later in the previous week. Oh, maybe that. Uh, maybe that's what it is. It could just be that. Like it was like, oh yeah, well we had these satellites that saw it from space and they saw the atmosphere, and then this one's just. You know, at this point in time, this satellite's over the desert, and hmm. it's tracking. I have to look at that, that again, stuff. and then get back to you on that because I totally missed that part. I wasn't looking at that, but good call. Yeah, man, whatever. Good call, my young Padawan. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, he he takes the ship and she moves it somewhere else. Oh, not yet. He's well, just taking the ship. Yeah, and so both. I wanted to see him in that command seat. Just one scene, even if it, if they shortened the the scene, you know, the 40 seconds of the ship lifting up, if they showed him in the command chair pinpointing like a like a target destination, it kind yeah. of would made sense for Clark to be learning more about the ship or if Jor-El was like, almost, hey, we should start this up and we should move this thing. Almost like I kind of wanted that scene that Lex Luthor has with with the console about mm-hmm. like where it's like would you like to assume command like yes. I wanted that for Cal L where he's like it's like what would you like to do you are now the acting yeah. captain of the ship and he'd be like take us somewhere secret or it's like take us somewhere safe and yeah. then it would be like alright plotting the most uh, secluded area sec- yeah, yeah isolated like part of the, of the world and then it just it goes there um, that would have been cool I hate that it or I don't hate it, I just don't like that it, the, the ship just is up and leaving and, and going out. Yeah. Like, I want to see more. Is it automated? Is, is the Jor-El consciousness guiding it? Is Clark yeah. in the command's chair? Or is he still tending to Lois as all this is going on? Exactly. I, 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 wanted, I wanted that, but we didn't get that, so. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for this one. What about you guys? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. Um, if you love what you hear, don't forget to rate subscri- uh, rate, and subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, you can follow us on all social media at DCU Minute. And don't forget to check out Joe's podcast, the protagonist podcast. We'll catch you tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.